Hello, Eagles fans. Eagles Beakley is back again. Another edition of the Eagles Insider Podcast. Chris McPherson, Bo Wolf, and Fran Duffy. And fans, we've had a couple days now to kind of simmer down. You know, obviously a very, very disappointing loss in Arizona. Arizona's an outstanding team, but the Eagles are right there, right there on the doorstep to steal that win on the road. Not able to get the job done. But how about them Cowboys? <laughs> where's, the, where's the drop right there? Brian Thomas. Now's the time for That's it. That's the time for it. Could have easily pulled that one in there still. There it is. There it is in there. So uh, Washington helping the Eagles out, getting that overtime win on Monday Night Football, keeping the Eagles a half game back. So we'll take a few moments to reflect on that loss to Arizona. But again, big picture, the Eagles are 5-2. and two. I, I, I remember last year at the midway point, team was 3-5 and five or 3-5, or and five, and then they go on their, their streak to 7 of 8 down the stretch to win the division. They're going to be in much better position. Obviously, a good matchup, tough matchup this weekend against Houston. But big picture, still everything's moving in the right direction for the Eagles. They've lost two games, but both were on the road against very good teams. Yeah, those trips out west have been tough. And, and obviously, uh, you know, a couple plays here and there, the Eagles could be 7-0. and I guess you could say a couple plays here and there, they could be, I don't know, 1-6 and in a worst-case scenario or something like that. But, uh I mean, the loss hurts, no question about it. That's a game where I, th- I felt like the Eagles were the better team. I think uh, they probably should have won the game. Uh, but, you know, as Chip Kelly always talks about, those self-inflicted wounds, 11 penalties, the turnovers in the red zone, uh, sloppy play coming off of the bye, which is a little disappointing. But uh, big picture, take a step back. It's not, it's not the worst place to be. So my reaction from the press box at University of Phoenix Stadium when John Brown's going over the top, scores a touchdown, I just he tweeted. really does, by the way. Sorry to cut you off. Yeah. You were right. He looks like Marvin the Martian when he, with that helmet. It's like way too big for his body. <laughs> I wasn't making it up. Lots of film what, studies. What, what did you say? This was this one study. I didn't say. I didn't say Marvin the Martian, but that's I like that. His <laughs> head. It's, his helmet is just way too big for his. Like he's got a tiny little head. It's funny. So he's breaking up down for the touchdown, and it was just one of those things where you saw the play unfold, and you're like, "This is the one thing that can't happen." The only thing that you that they cannot do in this situation, and I even I tweeted from the Ad Eagles Insider account, "How does this happen?" And well, it was better. We, it was better than if they had scored a touchdown with you know no time remaining. Yes, you start getting nervous because all of a sudden they're reviewing and like, oh, his knee might have been. Out. I'm like, no, just give him the touchdown now and give the Eagles a chance to go down the field. I mean, Kerry Williams very nearly knocked that ball out. I mean, it could have rolled through the back of the end zone, and then that would have been that would have been it. That would have been an unbelievable play. I don't think that gets talked about obviously because they scored, but yeah. Um, Look, I mean, it was a game of what ifs where, you know, there's all the, whenever you have a game that goes down to the wire like that and uh, all the mistakes, you know, two red zone turnovers and 11 penalties and, uh, you know, obviously the two big plays on defense, a lot of p- situations where players and coaches are going to look back and say, oh man, you know, what if, you know, this had happened? What yep. if I had made this call? What if I had made that tackle? Uh, look, they'll, they'll learn from it. Like you said, they're five and two. And the the big thing I think is not letting the Arizona Cardinals beat you twice. Go down to Houston, take care of the Texans, and uh, and continue to move on. That's a good point there. With the thing with Nate Allen, obviously giving up that big touchdown, is he made such a brilliant play earlier in the game where he stripped Andre Ellington and was able. And the more amazing play was, awesome. was keeping getting the ball, securing the ball, and then getting both feet in bounds and staying in bounds to be able to get the fumble, and then to have you know that bad play at the end of the game. So it's and know. you under—I mean, you understand why he's biting on that because they got to get the first down. Yes. Um, but obviously, you've got deep responsibility. Mm-hmm. You, you can't get beat deep there. So. And, and it know, was he good. knows it was a mistake. And so yeah, I mean, look, it, it was one of those two things too, where the Cardinals—they uh, were kind of showing a, what they call a levels concept, where the 
that outside receiver is going to be running that dig route. And they had run it earlier in the drive. They ran it in the, in the drive before. So they show it, they show it, they show it. And now they're going to try and beat you over the top. So, look, I mean, it, it's one of those plays where they beat you, they got them, and, you know, they'll, they'll fix it moving forward. And what's frustrating is outside of that and the Larry Fitzgerald touchdown, Larry Fitzgerald, by the way, must be the biggest eagle killer of this generation by a mile. got to be one of them. So outside of those two big plays, defense was outstanding. Outstanding. It was very, very good. 245 yards if you take those two plays out. Yeah. That's pretty – That's. I mean, look, those plays count, obviously. Right. Yes, but, yes. Uh, that's, it kind of shows what, what you're dealing with when you have – you take those two plays away, and that's the difference between a game like the Giants where, look, everything went really, really well for the defense. We didn't let them in the end zone. Uh, you take those two plays out, you're consistent across the board, and good things happen. Now let's talk about the offense for a second. Nick Foles, very up and down day. You look at the numbers, over 400 passing yards, two touchdowns, made some amazing throws, that one where he's rolling out and he hits Riley Cooper for 50 yards, was brilliant. You know, the nice long touchdown to Jerry Macklin. That was a great throw. You know, he made some amazing plays. and then But you have the couple of turnovers. You have the interceptions once again. And the fact of the matter is he's throwing the ball 62 times throughout the course of the game. So much was on his shoulders in this matchup. Well, I mean, look, this was a team you're going in to face the Arizona Cardinals. They've been so good against the run, and then when you lose Patrick Peterson, you know, in the, in the middle of the game, there were matchups to be won, and for the you know for the most part, they won those matchups. I mean, uh, Jeremy Macklin, Gerard Powers, they showed last year that we were able to create plays against Gerard Powers. So uh, I don't blame them for for going that direction. And look, they also moved the ball really well on the ground as well. So uh, overall, with the offense, I mean, look, there were there are plays you like to have back, but. You know, it was still a good performance overall. I was, a very good I was surprised that they they passed as much as they did and, and didn't run a little bit more. Can, even though that you know the Cardinals have the number one run defense, they were winning matchups on the outside. They were getting stuff up the middle too. I mean, you saw in that last drive, um, and maybe that's because it was the fourth quarter and uh, you know the defense was a little tired. But I, I thought they were a little uh, pass happy. But the thing with Foles is it's just so, so hard to rectify. The quarterback we've seen this season versus the quarterback we've seen last we saw last year, only in terms of protecting the ball. I mean, the two everybody knows about the two interceptions last season. He leads the league in turnovers this year. You, I mean, for this offense to be working on all cylinders, he has to protect the football. He knows that, uh, and I guess we were you know we were hoping that some of that would get cleaned up in uh, during the bye week or whatever. But you know, I don't want to steal an Andy Reid line, but he's got to do a better job. Yeah, I, I would agree that the biggest surprise is this is coming off the bye. Because you figured all those hits that he took, you know, you know he was battered around the f- those first few games of the season. You figure he gets rested during the bye week. He's fully healthy. He's good to go. No issues there. And you go out and just sling the ball. And he did for the most part, but had the couple of turnovers there. Yeah, I mean, we, and we've seen it around the league with lots of different quarterbacks who, you know, I know Phillip Rivers, who's playing lights out football right now. There were a couple of years where, I mean, he was turning the ball over and he was inaccurate and was kind of shaky in the pocket. And now you look at him and, you know, and it's a completely different story. So, I don't think it's a career-defining time in his, you know, for Nick Foles over the first uh, seven games of the season so far. Uh, but look, he's, he's like Bo said, he's just got to do a better job. I think, uh, you know, the, we'll get it corrected. I think he's still a young quarterback. I think that's exactly. the one thing that most fans have to realize is that he's in his first full season as a starter. Yes, he started all those games last season, was phenomenal, but this is the first time where he's been the guy for the entirety of the season. So that's something that you know, still has to factor into it, that he's still growing and developing into the position. And probably the bar was just set so high from that 27-2 and two year, 29-2 and two if you include the playoffs, that 
it was going to be hard to match that. Yeah, I mean, we all expected some kind of you know regression uh, in mm-hmm. that touchdown interception ratio, obviously, but uh, it's it's been a little too a little too much. So we'll start look ahead to the Houston Texans. You know, everyone I'm sure when you looked at the schedule said they won two games last year. You know, who's their quarterback? This should be an easy win. They've been very, very tough thus far, and if not for a few spurts in the Colts game and the Steelers game, they might be even better than their 4-4 four and four record at this point. Yeah, I mean, offensively, it all runs through Arian Foster in that run game. Uh, I, actually, I touched on it a little bit in Monday's piece, was the, the Eagles' ability to defend the stretch run play over the course of the season has been really, really impressive. They did it again against Arizona. They did it against Washington. Uh, a couple of the other teams that they faced like to run that play, and they've done a really good job shutting it down. Well, they're going to be tested now because you've got uh, Houston, and that's the, I mean that's their favorite run play is that stretch play to the outside, uh, giving Arian Foster you know his choice of different cutback lanes, and he's a big physical runner and he's healthy right now and he's if if it weren't for Demarco Murray, I think Arian Foster would be the talk of the town right now in terms of running backs in the league. He's second in the league and he's so good not just in the run game but the pass game as well. Yep. Three touchdowns against Tennessee, and he's so patient. He really understands that zone blocking scheme. He's very patient as a runner. He's so smooth as a runner so he's gonna be very very tough to bring down uh, but I also you know I have so much confidence right now in the front seven of this Eagles defense uh, that's I mean that's been the the best part of the Eagles defense obviously so far uh, and you know getting Michael Kendricks back healthy uh, I have a lot of faith that, that they, they'll be able to do a pretty good job against Aaron Foster yeah no question about it it's gonna be one of those things that it's gonna be fun to watch with guys like Fletcher Cox and Benny Logan and D'Amico and all those guys up front uh, it's it's going to be a fun match. That's going to be the biggest matchup that determines the outcome of this game. One of the biggest surprises from last Sunday is that they didn't sack Carson Palmer once. They got a lot of good pressure on him. Yeah, and that was a good, that was a good example of uh, you know sacks not being a good a good barometer of true, how much true. pressure you're getting because they hit him a lot. Uh, not just you know got the ball out quickly. They hit him a lot. So yeah, and there were a couple where. Uh, they had, I mean, Trent Cole had him dead to rights on the one, and he, you know, he he wrestled himself loose, and he almost threw a pick. So uh, it's just one of those things where, look, the, sometimes the sacks are there, and sometimes they're not. Now, on the flip side, though, Fitzpatrick has been has been sacked eleven times in the last three games. So the protection there, it'll be very interesting to see, especially when you have all the former Texans coming back to Houston to play the Eagles. Easiest bet of the week for me is that that Connor Barwin will uh, will tip. Uh, Brian Fitzpatrick passed yes. this week. That's what I'm going to say. He, he's had a lot of passes knocked down. Yeah, he's, at the he's small. He's a small little yeah. guy. And you figure you go against J.J. Watt in practice every day. You right. might be able to rectify that situation. But Would you say that J.J. Watt is the, is the greatest human uh, with, with a double initial first name hmm. in history? In his t- history. In history. Wow. I would say I would say double double initial double initial doesn't have to be JJ. I mean, you know, he's obviously better than JJ Stokes, but why going t- why a tittle? I mean, we're no, no, double double no, double, double, it's got, it's double of the same same, nas- same initial. Oh, same. Gotcha, yeah. gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. I'm thinking BB King is the leader in the clubhouse here. Oh, that's good. BT, you have anything? Well, there's LL Cool J. Yeah, that's a good uh, one. I, I would go I would go BB King, JJ Watt, LL. No, cool I go LL Cool J second, but then again, I'm a little older than you guys, so that's more in my wheelhouse. Ellis Cool J's got the classics. Good. I like this a lot. We are going to have to bring this up with uh, with our guest coming up here. Let's see. I'm trying to think where else. Who else would? Uh, who else is in the battle here? I'm trying to go through the <sighs> alphabet. This is a good one. I like this. I wish I had I'd known this. Before. I would have created a good list. Yeah. I'm sticking. I'm I'm sticking with with. You sticking with your top BB three? BB King, JJ Watt, 
LL Cool J. JJ Stokes. Not JJ it. Stokes is last. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's a decent receiver for the 49ers. Yeah, a little he's bit. Okay. But <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like well, it's like we we sat around trying to name Franz. Yeah. Well, we've got, well, we got to four. We got the three. We got the three. We didn't even get to four. We didn't even get to four. So this yeah. one beat that and list you were, out. And we you got the three them. present company included. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. So <laughs> so we're sitting there ah, like, uh, who else do we have here? So The double initial thing is what is what gets you. Now now you're just throwing for a loop. Fran's out of his comfort zone right now. I know. I'm not. Uh. Next segment. Let me I'll go. Let me go. Let me Let me transition here. Keep it a little lighthearted here, Fran. Your first road trip since 2010? The first, so 2011. 2011. My last road trip was, uh, he jumped. We talked about it with Mike Quick uh, last week. Yep. That was mm-hmm. the last road trip for me. So. Wow. So that was good. Yeah. It was, uh, look. I thought that was a home game, though. Was no, that was no, a, was no, no, no. That was in Buffalo. Yeah, yeah. Was in, Buffalo. In, in Ralph Wilson. Ryan um, Fitzpatrick. That's right. Uh, yeah, how many times have we seen Ryan Fitzpatrick? He was the, uh, the big tie in oh. uh, Cincinnati, which saved the season. In That's 2008, right. I didn't think that about that. That saved the season. Wow! So did that they well, play, did they play him in uh, when he was a Ram too? Ooh, I don't think so. Well, that, I don't I recall mean, him as a. Well, this is big because I wonder so if it was a tie against Cincinnati and a loss against Buffalo. Got to round it nah, out. Now you get the win. So I wonder if I wonder if the Eagles have ever faced another quarterback with three different teams. Ooh, it sounds like a wolf. I, uh, you know, yeah, is it? <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Gonna, I'm going <laughs> to look at it. I'm going to find out the answer, but, yeah. but I don't know. If it's it sounds like a BFF stat. That's, that's, that's a good one. That, that's that's a good one. So, Bo doesn't like when everyone has – because everyone now has suggestions for the Wolfstein column. It's like, oh, why don't you do this? Why don't you do this stat? So. Yeah. I'll do I'll, – I'll handle this myself. And he, has, and, he has, and, yeah, and, he, and he just sits there and pol- politely nods and is kind of like – Oh, yeah, I'll think about that. Yeah, I, don't know oh, about, I don't know about politely. <laughs> yeah, Bo is not polite whatsoever. So No, no, he usually, he usually, you know, do the little head nod and be like, okay, thank you. Mm-hmm, sure. No, that that Cincinnati tie. The problem is that even if it is a good idea, I didn't come up with it myself. So it's so no, I so then I no. don't want to do it. Nobody has to know. Most of the time, it's not a good idea, but nobody has to know. But I will know. That's well, all. Oh, jeez, Mr. Prideful over here. Yeah, absolutely. That I remember that tie in Cincinnati. I remember sitting in the in the standing in the corner of the stadium on the field as the final seconds were ticking off, and you were just like. This is just, it was just a brutal, painful game to watch. Everyone remembers it for the Donovan and the OT rules and all that. But well, the he, most brutal thing is that now any time a game goes to goes to like the tail end of overtime, everyone starts tweeting tweet about Donovan. Donovan. Yeah. yeah, and it'd be funny if you wore a tie, a Bengals tie, <laughs> on on Fox at some point. That, that would be good. be good. That would be good. Should, we should uh, hit him up on Twitter. I'm still thinking. What of do you think of? Right <laughs> <laughs> you can't even think about anything else, so. He's like, I don't even want to talk about anything to this point. No, no. But it's just—it was just remarkable how it was how bad that tie was, and then you go to the end of the season, and that win over Dallas would not have been possible without Ryan Fitzpatrick. It's actually yeah. with, without the kicker missing it. To be honest, the Shane Graham was it? Was it might have been Shane. I Graham. feel like it was Shane Graham who missed it. What so. about J.J. Abrams? Oh, good Ooh. one. He's got to yeah. be up the top of the list, uh, yeah. near the top. He's of the ahead list. of Stokes, that's for sure. Definitely ahead of Stokes. So he made top three. <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, J.J. No, no, Abrams no. is in there. No, no. Well, no. L. O. Cool J is the bottom line. Yeah, L. O. Cool J. Okay. Where are you going? No, see, I disagree on that. But that's you go fine, L. to the top. Yeah. not to the top. No, B.B. King's got to be number one. Oh man. All right, so maybe he's top four. J.J. Abrams, good one. I got nothing after that. Okay. All right. Well, why don't we why don't we bring on our special guest and then we can debate this later on in the show? Sounds good.
Our special guest on this week's Eagles Insider Podcast, none other than one of the former Houston Texans who will be going back to one Houston of the many. this week. One of the many, one of the seven on the current roster, linebacker Brian Raymond. Brian, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So, first I want to ask you is this. It has been said that it's a privilege to play on this Eagles special teams unit. What does it mean to you to play on this unit that has been so productive, so dangerous, so deadly early in the football season? I mean, it means a lot. It means a lot to, to you know, probably everybody on the on the squad you know every guy that's you know played a part in the special teams you know the accolades that we've acquired you know we we work hard for it and it's definitely a standard that we've set up for ourselves at the beginning of the year back in um, OTAs before camp started and stuff so uh, it feels good to be a part of it you know it's definitely exciting. Is there a different mindset here than maybe when you were at Houston in terms of the way the team approaches special teams to make it so prolific? You know, uh, it's a copycat league. There, you know, there really isn't too much that you can change um, other than the players. You know, really uh, the mindset that they carry into it and uh, being able to, you know, take a different approach. Um, I, I don't, I don't see, I don't see too much being different. You know, it's a, it's a special teams mentality either way you look at it. Is there a guy you're uh, most looking forward to? Uh, you know, clashing with on the field on, on Sunday? <laughs> you know, um, FIP does a great job with matchups. So uh, I just, you know, I don't want to get my head too wrapped up in it. I'm just going to kind of sit back and uh, see what he brings to the table as far as who he matches up with me. And uh, that's that's when uh, that's when I'll start getting into it. You know, I'll, I'll see if I can uh, hit him up and, and give him a hard time, get him, you know, he- give him a heads up that I'm going to be coming for him. Okay. What's your uh, what's your favorite unit of the four uh, of the four core units? Uh, I don't have favorites. Yeah. I actually don't have favorites in in Taking football. Taking the political uh, correct yeah. answer, yeah. Yeah. come on, come nah, on. I love I love all phases. Of what the about game, least man. favorite? Uh, <laughs> I, you know, I love I love the game too much to say that there's any part of it that I don't like. What is the biggest secret in terms of the punt block? Because you watch the all twenty-two, and it seems like everyone just does such a great job of firing off the football and making it confusing for the linemen to decipher who they're going to have to block or making it a quick decision to open up for someone else what, what do you think is the biggest key there uh, just us you know being prepared ready to go and um, really just believing that every single one of us is going to be the one to make the play um, you know we we come off we want to come out there and be the aggressor we're going to try and hit them in the mouth and and put them on their heels so that way they're fighting to to stay on their feet for the for the rest of the game so now what do you miss most about Houston if there is one thing um yeah, I'd probably say just family and food. Um, I'm a big foodie. Okay. Uh, you know, there's a lot of great restaurants out here in Philadelphia. You know, it's uh, it's a little different on the East Coast than it is in the South. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I just – I love the Cajun food. Um, you know, they got a water burger down there. I'm excited about get a burger <laughs> and you know, a milkshake. And, um, but definitely just the, the Southern, you know, food, soul, soul cooking. Now, have you found any spots here in Philly? Um, you know, I've I've actually tried uh, Miss Tootsie's as I far as uh, yeah. okay. you know the the southern food goes, but uh, like I said, you know, I don't I don't really have favorites. There's too many uh, good food, uh, too much good food out there for you to enjoy for for me to say I like one more than the other. Now you have a daughter, I do. Correct, Blakely is it correct? Yes, and she's how old? Seven months now. Seven months old. So yeah. so are you able to even get out in the city? I was gonna say um, she's that. actually in Houston with her she's mother. So okay. I'm, I'm I'm really excited. She uh she actually comes up for all the home games. Nice. Um, so Very I get to nice. see her for the home games and uh, she's gonna be at the Houston and the Dallas game in Dallas. So That's she's awesome. gonna be able to make it to about uh, nine games. So um, I'm definitely excited. She's uh 
she's she's growing up fast you know she's got this uh, new little walker toy that she actually just <laughs> stood up and took a couple steps with so it's it's definitely interesting because when i was just in there uh in houston for the bye week you know she just started crawling really and to see her starting mm-hmm. to you know stand up by herself you know mm-hmm. take a couple steps with her toys and stuff it's like she needs to slow down a little <laughs> bit <laughs> so how, how do you go from kill maim destroy on the football field and tackling guys without a helmet to being daddy i mean on the other end she does it i I don't think it has anything to do with me just being able to see her face you know um she's the prettiest so i think she's the one that kind of brings me back down to the norm i feel like it's only going to be a couple months before she's running down the field without a helmet on and like (laughs) trying to uh tackle the other kids as fast as she's going (laughs) I i don't i don't see that being too far away that's good so how with everything you've been through brian What's it like to be able to provide for her and to be able to give her a life that you didn't have when uh, you were growing up? It's an it's an unbelievable feeling. Um, obviously, everybody wants that for their family. You know, being able to to give their children something that they weren't able to have when they were a kid. So, you know, being able to you know think about her first and and understand that um, I'm out here not for for myself anymore. I'm out here doing it for her. So. Um, it's it's definitely a big deal, and uh, you know I I really look forward to seeing you know what she takes an interest in and and what I'll be able to help her out and give her in order to help her you know excel and succeed in in whatever area or whatever interest she decides to pick up through her you know younger age. Would you ever allow her to be a model? I like would. You were. Whatever makes her <laughs> happy. How, however she wants to go about it, you know um, I think that was. Uh, a part of my upbringing you know my my mother she she didn't care you know as long as I wasn't getting in trouble and I wasn't doing anything illegal she supported it if it made me happy she was happy and she wanted to see me do well in it so um, I feel like that you know played a big part in me being um, very specific in what I wanted to do and what I loved and really you know really kind of gave me a passion and a drive to understand that I I can do anything I put my mind to so um, right now we're actually in the phase where we we don't say no. We we try to you know try to say you know encourage her to do something other than you know what she's doing. If she's doing something that we don't want her to do, you know we we tr- we try to talk to her and tell her, you know, hey, you should you should try to do something else, or you know, hey, you know, we don't need to do this, or you know, anything other than the word no, because you know we really her and her um, her mother and I really don't want her to to think that she can't do anything we just want her to know that there there could possibly be better things out there for her to do wait till she starts talking back yeah and then get back to me if that positive <laughs> reinforcement plan is working for you yeah so. we'll see how it goes do the guys in the locker room give you a hard time about the modeling career um every once in a while it's brought up you know uh when you look back at some of the pictures <laughs> from from the, you know back in the day when i was actually trying to get into it i was a little smaller i was probably about 30 pounds smaller and uh I had short hair, so you're clean um, shaven. Yeah, yeah, I've gone through through a couple couple different phases, but uh, they do give me a hard time. It's kind of falling off. When I was a rookie, I mean, it was like it was every day. But (laughs) since I've uh, (laughs) since I've kind of become more of a vet, it's it's kind of falling off. They give me a hard time every once in a while, though. So there are total seven former Texans. Yeah, they're on the roster. Two of them are also in the linebacker group. Can you tell us something about D'Amico? Something about Connor that most fans might not know about. Connor was kind of the guy that took me under his wing when uh when I was in Houston. Okay, you know he kind of showed me the ropes. Uh, I backed him up, uh, you know, as a rookie, um, being able to look up to him and and see the way you're supposed to act as a professional, um, the way the programs run and stuff like that. 
Um, I'm not really sure if anybody knew that I had backed him up in Houston for um, two years, but uh, that's the case. And then D'Amico, just, um, you know, the good guy that he is, you know, he's just an unbelievable leader. Um, you know, he was the same way in Houston. It, it didn't matter, you know, what it came down to. Um, he's definitely been, you know, implemental in, you know, being a leader in the defense, understanding, you know, the way things that the way things go. And, you know, he's definitely somebody that everybody on the team can go to. Do you see a difference or a maturation from either one of them now that you've been with them in one place and now that you're with them here and they have different roles here? Um, you know, there's uh, definitely a different type of confidence with Connor, um, you know, the getting his deal um, coming here to play here and uh, definitely stepping into more of a leadership role. Um, I can see that, you know, he's definitely, you know, um, accepted that role. And uh, and D'Amico, he's he's the same. He's just – he's been a leader since he was, you know, out the womb. He's mm. been leading the way for everybody, you know, captain, you know, defensive captain, somebody that's, you know, our NFLPA rep, you know, just a cool guy, somebody that, you know, you can go to for anything that you need. All right, so, Brian, we're going to transition to our last segment of the show, and it's what we call Fails – of the week. All so right. we're actually going to have them here on video to check them out. So <laughs> so the first one we have is from the Vikings-Buccaneers game. And with less than a minute left, the Vikings are driving down the field. And during a timeout, the Bucks cheerleaders come out on the field. And uh, I don't think they're supposed to be on the field at this time. But nonetheless, there they are trying to distract the players. Brian, do you ever... Uh, does it ever cause a distraction for you when that's actually I've never seen that before. That's bizarre. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I, especially out there on the field of play. Like I've seen them in the end zone. Yeah, and stuff like that in TV timeouts and stuff, but never in the field of play. They're that trying. Bizarre. Home field advantage. The, hey, that well, it didn't work. Mark, <laughs> um, no, it didn't work. Oh. That's right. Mark that one up. They tried. Number four Raiders at the Browns. The Raiders line up for a field goal, then fake it. Then line for a play, and then this happens. Matt Schaub throws his first pass in a while. Oh, and it gets. Uh, well, because I, I was following this game okay. on the GameCast because I, I had the Browns. Well, here's, uh, look at this. And we got the quote. Why would we call that right there? So. <laughs> Did you say that? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, I want to see this again. <laughs> That's great. I was wondering how Matt Schaub managed to throw well, an you, interception. And you played yeah. with Schaub. I did play with Schaub. Yes. Um, you know, he's a smart player. So, uh, so he I'm knew that was dumb. I kind of, <laughs> I, I kind of, I feel for him right there. I don't, I don't, you said it was a field goal. They lined up it to was a, a field goal. They for a field goal, then they faked it, and then that's when he threw the, uh, yeah, yeah, so busted, a busted so. snap. I'm, I mean, I, I feel like it could have <laughs> gone yeah. differently. So, number three, and, uh, you know, Brian, it, when you get a sack, just don't do not do what Lamar Houston oh, does here. Oh, this is I thought he would have learned from the linebacker right. in Detroit. That, uh, who was it? Uh, uh, Tolick. Stephen Tolick. Stephen Tolick, right. yes. So, That's oh, terrible. Geez. Yeah, that, I mean, so note to everyone out there, do not celebrate. First of all, you shouldn't be celebrating when you're down 25 points in Truth. the fourth quarter. And you're, sacking the, and you're sacking the backup rookie quarterback. It's not even Tom Brady. Tom Brady I can maybe understand, but it's Jimmy Grapple. It's not – not worth celebrating there. Number two, Sammy Watkins. On the, on the bottom of the screen here, he's going to be going for the touchdown. Oh, yeah. And um, a little, little premature celebration here. He's almost – he's got it. He starts the oh, finger wagon. He's and, trying uh, to get the Usain Bolt. <laughs> it's weird because he looks like he's looking at the <laughs> screen, right? 
you know, he's trying to look himself on the video board. He realizes he's going to go in for the long touchdown. And a little too soon there. So. I feel like there's every year there's always somebody that either, you know, drops the ball right before the goal line celebrating. We've, we've had that here in Philadelphia. So yeah. has, has definitely just dis- decided to, you know, instead of finishing the play, they're worried about what they're going to look like on TV. Exactly. So Chris Margo sat in the same exact seat that you're sitting in the week before he scored his touchdown and said that he was going to have this great celebration, and then he clammed up after he scored. Yeah, he sure that. did. He, <laughs> <laughs> Some of us and the guys told him that he just needs to put that one back in the uh, back in the pocket. <laughs> yeah. Never bring it back out. He wasn't quite sure what to do. It was like he was trying to do like a little walk there, and it, it just it was a total mess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, he he could have come up with something a little bit. <laughs> Do you have something planned? Have I you have nothing. You got I'm, nothing. Yeah, I mean, I just, I just want to get out there and play. You know, you I'm, I'm I'm kind of a screamer. I get kind of fired up. I'll probably start headbutting people and stuff. But <laughs> I'm I'm not somebody that's a with big, helmet on or helmet yeah. off. I mean, it, it depends on how they come up to me. You know? <laughs> if I'm taking my helmet off and they they look like they're gonna headbutt, I'm not shying away. <laughs> <laughs> Player safety, Brian. Yeah, yeah. Player safety. Safety first. And uh, number one, well, one B. I'm sorry. We're actually gonna go to London. This is what the Falcons put on their website. And uh, look at number three. Uh, that's funny. Dot number three. They said that that was England. I don't think that's England. Yeah, that so looks like uh, Spain. Yeah, yeah, there you go. See? That's so bad. See, even <laughs> Brian Brayman quickly points out that, yeah, that's not where they're headed to, and uh, maybe maybe that's why they lost lost the game. That's unfortunate. So, and then, uh, so that was 1B. So number, so, number one, as we're going to move on from our uh, geography lesson here, I wasn't the best at geography myself, so. Is that supposed to be Tony Romo? Yes. That is supposed to be that Tony Romo. That is Tony Romo, carved in the back I of I think your that's head. great. Well, wait a minute. Okay. Brian, of the three of us, who would you say is the most likely to have their face tattooed on another man's body? <laughs> that's a, that's a, I like where you're going. With this, <laughs> I, I knew, and I knew uh, you were going to go with this here. So. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm None like, of us yeah, is no comment. Is no comment. <laughs> <laughs> there is one of us, and it's arguably better. I don't know if it's better or worse than this guy's Well, it's haircut. more permanent. It's definitely more yeah. permanent. That's true. That's so brutal. One of you sitting here has a, a, a tattoo of another man's face. No, no, no. no, 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 no our no, face no. is tattooed okay. onto another man's body. Okay. Yeah, no. <laughs> yes. Tatman. Tatman. Have you, have you ever seen Tatman? What do you, what, I haven't. What are you, like back, left calf or something like that? It's, uh, I, ju- I just saw it this weekend. Right leg of you calf. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he was one. He was one of the thousands upon thousands of fans who yeah. were in Arizona. Which is every awesome. freaking game. Fans um, were awesome Sunday. Uh, yeah, I mean the whole stadium. It was just it was awesome because it looked like Christmas because it was. It was cr- amazing how many Philadelphia fans were in those stands. Yeah, so it was unbelievable. So they had all red, but you just saw splotches of green all over everywhere. the place. So everywhere it seemed like there was more green in the stands during pregame warmup and stuff like that than. Um, Arizona Cardinals yeah. fans. When Macklin scored that second touchdown, I mean, it, it sounded like it was at the link. Yeah, like it went the, the nuts. cheering was crazy. Yeah, it went nuts. There was a couple calls, too, that were made, um, you know, kind of questionable that were against mm-hmm. us, whether they decided to keep it or, you know, um, overturn it. That, you know, I was like, well, like what? What happened? Good or bad? <laughs> yeah, like, right. You don't know <laughs> it's what's so right. loud in here. Yeah. I don't know what's <laughs> going on. <laughs> um, but yes, uh, Tatman, Chuck Solomon, longtime Diehard <laughs> Eagles fan. It's basically his whole body is just a tribute to the Eagles with tattoos. And wow. I mean, players, jersey, retired jersey numbers, you know, division championships, conference championships. He, he even has the Lombardi trophy for when, for when we win. And Chris McPherson. And Chris McPherson, yes. Holy it's smokes. <laughs> it's <Yes>. too far. <laughs> so. Holy smokes. Yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, 
I, I had a couple tattoos when I was younger, but okay. uh, I, I kind of would. <laughs> I was who I am now back then, I'd, I would probably go against getting the tattoos. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, Brian Brayman, thank you very much for joining us here on the Eagles and Sorry podcast. So that's going to wrap up this week's edition. So for Fran Duffy, Bo Wolf, I'm Chris McPherson. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back next week after an Eagles victory.